Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in downtown Chicago. Well, really, a little more on the south. It's kind of like the southwest side, if you really want to be specific. Sun's a winner. 116-115 over the Bulls. Grayson Allen, fantastic. 26 points. Career high, eight three-pointers and 13 of a shot. Nine rebounds as well. Katie missed a shot at the buzzer, and the Suns had to hold on in overtime. Despite Durant's 25.6 rebounds, nine assists. The catch is he also had six turnovers. So did Nurkic, as Nurkic went for 28 and then six turnovers with 17 rebounds as well. Suns, home, Lakers, Friday night, 8 o'clock. ASU basketball unfortunately looked like they have over the last three years. Hustled really hard, took bad shots, missed bad shots, couldn't rebound. They lose 71-56 to Mississippi State. They were out-rebounded 44-31. They missed from three uh, 16 times, 15 or five of 21 shooting. Alonzo Gaffney and Frankie Collins combined to go three for 17. ASU's next game, game two of the season, they return home against Texas. Texas Southern tip off Saturday in Tempe at 1:30. A day after activating Kyler Murray to the active roster and putting him in the backfield, Jonathan Gannon announced a new member of the backfield coming back. Good, uh, excited to see him out there today. Uh, he'll go through the week of practice, see where it goes. Him is Jonathan Gannon, excuse me, is, uh, um, I choked for a second, is uh, James Conner. <laughs> Sorry, James. In which I forgot who Gannon was talking about for a second. James Conner will return to running back. Cardinals take on Atlanta. Kickoff Sunday at home, 2 o'clock. Because Gary Bettman cannot figure out geography, the Phoenix, the Arizona Coyotes play in the Central Division, which is in the Central Time Zone. Well, five road games, all in the division, and they're all far away, start coming up tonight at the Blues, face-off, 6 o'clock. The Arizona Diamondbacks had five players that were announced as nominees for the All-MLB team. Kind of a knockoff on being All-Pro in the NFL or All-NBA in basketball. The five players, Christian Walker, Cattell Marte, Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, and Paul Sewell. The announcement will come up in December. Tori Lavello at the general manager's meetings met with the media and talked about his new contract extension but said he really wasn't afraid of all of his one-year deals lots been said about you know the pressure of having to deal with one-year contracts year after year and quite frankly um I, I didn't deserve it i didn't deserve to be considered beyond tomorrow diamondbacks take on the rockies up next in february on the last thursday of the month for the beginning of spring training and finally 
meet Milwaukee Police Chief Jeffrey Norman. Jeffrey Norman is really upset at the amount of reckless driving crashes that have been taking place in Milwaukee. So the police chiefs met with the mayor and they had a major press conference demanding people slow down and pay attention. And then Jeffrey Norman left the press conference and he got hit by a dump truck. He was just sitting at a red light, so it wasn't his fault. And suddenly a dump truck decided to change lanes and forgot to use his brake and rear-ended the police chief about 45 minutes after the end of the reckless driving press conference. Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. If you go to Bell's Nashville Kitchen for the food, you're going to be shocked what a great bar it is. And if you go to Bell's Nashville Kitchen because you want to experience a great country bar, you're going to be shocked at how great the food is. And if you want something different to do this weekend, on Sunday, head out to Bell's Nashville Kitchen, Main Street, Old Town Scottsdale, and they got the car show in which they actually... Shut down the street a little bit. Cars that are pre-1990, plus they've got pastries and they've got coffee. And you can walk in later for the honky-tonk brunch and have a great meal at Bell's National Kitchen. You found home. Down home. I mean, seriously, why would I doubt? But we're like with half a second remaining before the beginning of Doug Franz Unplugged. There is a tradition in which Jeff Weir Production says, let's rock and roll. And he barely got it in today. I was worried. How was I going to go forward if we're not rocking and rolling this morning? Let's go, Jeff Weir Production. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Doug Frost unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Frost, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your television every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merck. Literally, this is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. How are you? Hopefully your uh, Wednesday went well. Week is uh, moving right along. I, uh, I understand what the state of the economy, you have a lot of companies that started advertising last week for their Black Friday sales, and now it's no longer Black Friday, it's Black Friday month, and I, I will never give in. I hate this. Now, when I say I will never give in, 49% of the vote in the Franz household is the Christmas lights do not go up before Thanksgiving. Never. Never. Now, so far on my block, no Christmas lights have gone up yet. 
and I appreciate that. Do not run over Thanksgiving. I blame all stores. Hey, you got to make your own free country. Knock yourself out. But you're still running over Thanksgiving when you put up Christmas stuff now. You're running over Thanksgiving. And it's a crime. You know why? Gravy. Gravy. There's not as much gravy served at Christmas. Leave Christmas for the religious aspects because that's why Christmas exists. Thanksgiving is about gravy. Let's not. Let's not forget the gravy. Don't run over Thanksgiving. Um, interesting Thanksgiving in the Franz household, uh, by the way. Jennifer asked me. Uh, McKenna is, uh, the intern McKenna is heavily involved in um, some some church charities and some church missionaries and some things like that. And uh, some of them don't have, uh, either can't afford to go home to see family or don't have family in the area or are so busy they don't have time to go back to wherever home is. And uh, so Jennifer asked me, do I mind if we have some of these people you know, girls that are, you know, around McKenna's age that uh, would come over to the house and celebrate Thanksgiving. Of course I said, no, meaning do you, do I mind? No, I don't mind, which is a weird thing of the English language, isn't it? I don't mind means go negative, but uh, no, I don't mind. Go go ahead. But secretly there's, uh, you know, I'm kind of selfish of, I've always joked with the girls, it's the four of us versus the world. And so I kind of like, slowing the world down and it's just the three of them and me and reconnecting and talking life i work so much and watch so many games i basically eat dinner at our kitchen table two or three times a year that's it almost every day i am sitting up with a tv tray and watching whatever game i need to watch and the family is so special that whenever anybody's over for dinner, they eat upstairs as well. So it's just four people, backs up against the back wall. Yeah, there's a couch in daddy's chair. But we're just sitting there with TV trays talking, and, and I'm watching the game. And that happens seriously. I, I, would, I, would, I would venture to a guess to say about 89 days a quarter is, is we're doing that. And Thanksgiving is one of those days where – we're all sitting at the table. Now, that may make you laugh when you consider the, all the football that's on and some basketball that's on on Thanksgiving. And I'm like, no, that's when I shut the TV off. I'm not working. It's just us. So I love Thanksgiving. And I also love Thanksgiving because it still feels like one of the few holidays that's about the reason why the holiday started, of, of truly giving thanks. And I, I like that. So uh, I'm already excited about Thanksgiving, but it was funny when I had to, you know, kind of bite my tongue. Well, I'm not going to say no. Of course, I want to be a giving household. Wow, I would, I would love if my daughter was going to college, you know, two, three states over, that if she had friends that invited her over and said, hey, come over and join us for Thanksgiving. That would, that would be really special, and I would want that. So I want to do that for the other families, but I – at the same time, didn't want to admit to my wife, I really don't. I, I just like it to be the four of them. <laughs> so I kept my mouth shut. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's my world today. Um, Saturday. Wow. Starting, I, I'm, I'm starting to feel it. I'm, I'm starting to feel it. 
Uh, Saturday is an enormous day in the history and future of Doug Franz Unplugged. And if, if, I, if I can be this bold for all of us here at WTSMTV.com, when there's an exclusive interview of, of, of someone that so many people in the media are trying to get an interview with this person. And we're going to be the first with an extended on-the-record interview. And this is borderline investigative journalism. Not quite. Not quite. And I'm an entertainer who knows how to be a journalist. But I admit it's not a strength. Not a strength at all. And so I have been working probably about two, two and a half hours a night for about a week and a half uh, maybe two weeks, yeah, about two weeks now, to make sure that my research is sound, sources are sound, outline is good, things like that. And it's a very humble person that I'm going to be talking to. So it's it's not like I'm going to get busted or you know any, anything like that. But still, you just when you're sticking your neck out as far as I am, you just got to be right. And I'm putting so much effort into it. And then the more and more time I invest into it, the more and more is my conviction of of how important this is to do this right by so many people who don't have a voice right now. And, and I've got that opportunity to give them a voice. So I'm really fired up for for uh, Saturday. Please keep in mind how this affects you as a viewer or listener to Doug Franz Unplugged. If you listen to Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, or wherever it is that you get your podcast, I'm now on TuneIn as well. If that is where you listen, you will eventually get the full form uh, conversation. But next week, we are going to break it up into snippets because it's going to be such a long interview that I don't want to just have one day where I dump the whole thing because I I think that would get a little unwieldy. And we still have a regular show to do every week. So you'll have about 15 to 20 minute blocks every day next week of the conversation. And then in time, I will put the whole conversation up as one piece, as one podcast, so you can listen to it unedited in its entirety and make judgments for yourself as far as doug franz unplugged on wtsmtv.com we're going to do the same thing on a morning basis but we're going to be putting together an actual tv show that will air in prime time for those of you that are live members to be able to see it much more uncut and much more heavily produced so that's all coming up next week so you will get it if you are a podcast listener but you won't get it in as in the same polished form as you will if you're a live member of WTSMTV.com. I, I, I think it's worth it for you to uh, strongly consider becoming a member of WTSMTV.com. Go to the website and, and see which price point is right for you. Plus, this is the month we're giving away an unbelievable prize pack to premium members in which you could win a foursome at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass and lunch as well and wedges how about that yes wedges plural you'll get wedges lunch and or and four rounds of golf well one foursome that's about a one thousand dollar value okay 
you're gonna you, you have a chance to win that. Do you imagine winning that before Christmas? So either you're a golfer and you can give wedges to somebody, you can give a Christmas present of a free uh, round of golf with you to three other people, or give the whole thing out if you're not a golfer. So please jump on that opportunity right now at WTSMTV.com. You can't win anything now. There's not. You just become a premium member, and that gives you the opportunity to be a winner. Okay, sound credits today. Uh, sound credit number one is CEO, CEO Chris's desk is gets a sound credit as I got to wear his stinky headphones and do a Zoom interview. Uh, hey, how about that? I uh, interviewed Bobby Dooley, who is the president and general manager of the Phoenix Rising. With them going to the championship game coming up this weekend, I thought, let's find out what's going on with the Rising. And Bobby was cool enough to join me. And we had a long conversation yesterday, and you're going to hear that today. Sun Devil Source on YouTube is where I got the uh, CKD, Coach Kenny Dillingham. azcardinals.com had sound from Jonathan Gannon that I thought was appropriate, so we pulled some of that. D-backs PR helped us out with Tori Lovello. And I'm hoping to today have time to allow Kurt Warner to come on and break down film for us, and I'll explain what he does in uh, in a couple minutes. I, I was just – well – probably in about an hour, but I just thought this was fantastic and I can't wait to show it to you to explain different parts of football because he does it so much better than uh, than I do. I think that's it. Jeff Weir Production, anything going on in your life? No, sir. Just here. Loving life. Well, someday you'll have a story for us. <laughs> one day. Okay, maybe. good. All right, then. Let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's big one this morning. My number one opinion comes to us from the world of college sports, and I have to laugh at the unbelievable hypocrisy that is going on right right in our face, okay? I'm not arguing whether college athletes should be paid or should not be paid. That's a long debate. There's a lot of nuances to that debate. That's not. I'm not bringing up that debate. But what I am laughing at is the situation between the Big Ten and Michigan. I think a lot of you have heard the stories about a young staffer who has a paper trail of buying tickets to college football games across the country and in one hand actually has pictures of either him or a number one doppelganger ever standing on the central Michigan sideline, actually in central Michigan gear in order to study the opposing sideline for an up for the opponent's game against Michigan in which he was learning their signals, recording their signals, and allegedly relaying them to Jim Harbaugh's staff. Jim Harbaugh claims he has nothing to do with it, didn't know this was going on, says he's totally innocent. The Big Ten is investigating this situation. The Big Ten has a bunch of coaches who have all off the record and some even on the record gone after Michigan and demanded the Big Ten commissioner drop the hammer on Michigan. And the reason why is there are clauses that are sportsmanship clauses in the contracts, I should say contracts, in the agreements between the Big Ten and its member schools. And that do give the power to the commissioner to suspend Jim Harbaugh, to go after the program. However, The NCAA normally doesn't do that. The way the NCAA operates is as they investigate, they let a school know this is going on. And if a school doesn't do anything about it, like let's say, I don't know, let's say you're cheating like crazy during COVID 
and the uh, NCAA tells you we're investigating this because we just got this huge dossier and they tell you which coaches are involved and you say, that's okay, we're going to leave. let our coaches still coach. Normally, that means the hammer gets dropped even more because you ignored the NCAA. You had the right to do it, but if you're found guilty, you get hit with lack of institutional control because you had the chance to do something about it and you chose not to. That's normally what happens. Well, in the case of Michigan, the NCAA is investigating And I have no idea if they told Michigan little bit of what they found in order for Michigan to make the decision if they want to self-impose. But the hypocrisy is this. As everybody runs around saying it's wrong to pay college athletes or we don't have the money to pay college athletes or that'll create some kind of unfair advantage, here is Michigan having over 11 legislators writing a letter to the Big Ten commissioner demanding due process. This is Michigan writing a 10-page response to the Big Ten demanding due process, meaning do not do anything to our potentially championship-caliber team that we've got right now. Don't touch us until the season's over. They're going to say, no, 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 we want a complete investigation before this oh and by the way this is rampant other teams are doing it too it's unbelievable that this supposed institution of higher learning is using the defense it doesn't matter that i was going 20 miles an hour over the speed limit because somebody else was too wait that's your best argument because other people are doing it so the sportsmanship clause matters as long as everyone's following it But as soon as someone stops following it, then you're allowed not to follow it too. You really think that passes the mustard, Michigan? I am in favor of dropping the hammer on anybody that's cheating. Please. But the idea that Michigan shouldn't get it because somebody else should get it too, or it's run too rampant for us to stop, then why are you even a conference? And why do you even have a conference commissioner? Mr. Commissioner, if you don't drop the hammer on Michigan, you're a gutless fool. Write that down. Yes, I got personal. I'm letting you choose where you are in this. What should a commissioner do? They should lead. They should lead. And you know what? If it's found out you're wrong and due process wasn't done, guess what? There isn't any due process. Nobody's been convicted of a crime. All right? The reason why they're arguing for due process is money, is the sponsorships, is the ability to extend into the playoff and get more money, to sell more jerseys, to be able to bring in better recruits because they look at you as a championship program because you're in the championship game. And I have to ask if it doesn't matter, if it's really not that big of a deal then why has this young man been doing this for about three years and that's right around the time Michigan stopped losing big games? Jim Harbaugh was on the hot seat for a long time because he couldn't beat Ohio State, couldn't win the big game. Now suddenly, he's winning all the big games. Don't tell me it doesn't matter. And don't tell me he didn't know. Big Ten, you're on the clock. And I'm going to laugh when you fall on your face. Um, coming up next, I can't wait to get to this. Really appreciate his time. 
Bobby Dooley, general manager, president of the Phoenix Rising. They're taking on Charleston in the championship game in which they started the playoff as a sixth seed and in the eight seed playoffs for a good chunk of the middle part of the season, the Rising were nowhere near the playoffs and they battled back. Bobby, how'd you do it? Even if you're not a big soccer fan, I think you're going to really enjoy this interview because we talk about the business world, we talk about overcoming adversity, and we talk about difficult choices. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. We're presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, and this is WTSMTV.com. Lots been said about you know the pressure of having to deal with one-year contracts year after year, and quite frankly, um, I, I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve to be considered beyond tomorrow. I know it's a little bit difficult to understand this, but right now is a fantastic time to get a new air conditioner. Your AC unit has worked unbelievably hard in one of the hottest summers on record in the city of Phoenix. Well, right now, Parker & Sons has stocked up on air conditioners for the summer, and now the summer's over. So they're not nearly as expensive to get those units because they need to move them on. So you get that tremendous advantage on price. Now, if you're not sure if you need a new air conditioner, join the Parker family plan. We've been on the Parker family plan since about, oh, I don't know, a year or two after we moved here. And it's been fantastic. I totally believe they helped extend the life of our current unit by keeping it up to date with its warranty, warned us of pending doom, we admit, and eventually we got a new one from Parker and Sons and saved a lot of money because we were on the Parker family plan. Call 602-2-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two. Then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Well, this man goes way back with me. I've known him for a long time. Bobby Dooley is the president and general manager of the Phoenix Rising, and he joins us here on Doug Franz Unplugged as they have made an incredible run in which they have knocked off, correct me if I'm wrong, Bobby, the three seed, the two seed, and the one seed on your way now as Western Conference champions to take on Charleston this weekend to win the USL championship. Congratulations. First of all, how's life? It was good. Thank you. I can't. Uh, I can't complain right now, especially that we got a a, a trophy to potentially hoist uh, this weekend. Does it take any? I'm assuming there's still a bad taste from 2020. Has this taken any of that bad taste away? When you got to feel like you had a. Granted, it was Mother Nature, but you you got to feel like you had a title ripped away from you that year. Yeah, I mean, obviously we still had to play the game and we had the opponent in Tampa who were, were very good. We were on the road. Uh, um, there were, were going to be a lot of challenges. You never, nothing's for certain, right, in any game. And that's the beauty. And I think that's why we all love, you know, professional sports. It's the best reality television that's out there, right? So yep. still going to play the game. And, 
as you can see, it doesn't matter if you're home, you're away, what your regular season record is. It all comes down to, you know, in our case, 90 minutes or, or 120 or 120 plus pens. Right. But, uh, but for us, obviously we, we didn't get an opportunity yet. I feel like it was taken from us to get that chance. I think not having a chance is what rubs me the wrong way, but um, beyond anyone's control. And, and here we are again, it took us a little bit longer to get back to this point. Uh, but this is, uh, we just uh, wrapped up our third Western Conference title in six years. Um, you know, I think that uh, says a lot about the organization. And now we have an opportunity to do something that we haven't done yet. And uh, we're, we're excited for that opportunity. Diamondbacks go to the World Series despite a nasty swoon in end of July and August, yet they still are able to do it. You guys did not have a great middle of the season. You guys struggled, and for a while, it, technically, you weren't in the playoffs for a long time. Fight and claw to get up to the sixth seed. Tell me how you guys came together. Not just you guys have played amazing with clutch goals in the playoffs, but even if somebody's a business owner trying to get his group to come together, how did you turn your struggles into a success this year? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And I think uh, I'll, I'll take it back to the off season, right? Um, there was a lot of uncertainty that, that you know, for the entire organization, right? First and foremost, last year, if you were speaking at this time, I didn't know where we were going to play our games in the 2023 season. Yeah, that's uh, so, so on top of, of that situation, which everything from ticket sales to partnerships to, um, you know, where the team is going to train, what's our you know beginning of the year schedule, there was so much up in the air. And then you look at, new coaching staff um, that was part of the organization. You look at 21 new players that we brought in, you know, 13, 14 different countries over that time. But there was a lot of things that were brand new um, for Phoenix Rising this year. And so I think I'm as impatient as anyone, um, but uh, it took a little time, right, for everything to come together. And, and you know, we've instituted some things on how we're recruiting players and, and added some elements in our sporting department um and and so we we scoured the globe to find players that you know fit the style of play Juan Guerra our head coach has a very defined style of play knew exactly what we were looking for so through all the data through our scouting networks um we really identified these, these players to bring them in here and, and anytime you have players that have never stepped foot in the country much less played in our league um it, it can be going it takes time um, our expectations didn't change the moment we hired Juan he knew it's trophies 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 is what this organization is about that's the standard every player we talk to and I think from the first conversation, uh, no player signs for this organization without having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with our head coach. We said, you have to know that the expectations are really high. We have an unbelievable fan base. Um, the players, the coaches, everyone that's been a part of this organization in the previous seasons set the bar, set the standard, and that's what we have to meet. And so I think everyone knew it sounds cliche, everyone wants to win titles, but the expectations, the pressures are really high, and everyone gets out to play Phoenix Rising. So I think you saw some of the newness, some of the uncertainty, the level of the league continues to elevate. People that play against Phoenix Rising want to prove you know, to Phoenix Rising that they should be on our team or they want to see you fail. So I think a lot of those things, it just took time. And uh, we knew if we got into the playoffs, which, again, is not our goal, never, uh, but if we got in, it's a whole new season. And, and like the Diamondbacks, even leading up into the playoffs, we struggled the last couple of games before we got in. 
And then it, uh, it's a reset. It's a little bit that week leading up to the playoffs. Everyone across the league thinks they have a chance to win. And we had an opportunity to go down to San Diego and, and play in a really good environment against an organization that was now that we know was their last game as an organization. And, and so we knew the energy was going to be, you know, really high in the stadium. We knew those players going to be playing with a lot of passion and, and our, our guys were ready. And you see one thing that I think this playoff run has shown is, is everyone is needed. It doesn't, I don't care what one through 22, everybody is needed on this roster and we're not going to give up. We're going to take some blows in the game but we're going to fight and we're going to push. And you see us winning in the 117th minute and the 120th minute scoring in the 90th minute on the road in tough environments. I think that says a lot about the coaching staff and a lot about the players that just continue to believe in what we're doing, believe in each other. And, and no one's looking for individual credit. Everyone's, you know, rowing together and, and, and trying to set out for the same goal. You've, Listen to me long enough. You know, we call it on the, on the old show is what is what I refer to Doug and Wolf as on the podcast. But you've heard me enough that I I watch so much college basketball, so much college football. I'm ready for the NBA and NFL draft. I know so much about our quote unquote four major teams and ASU that there's sometimes I disagree with the decision that's made, and then there's sometimes I just vehemently disagree with something that's made. And I've always made that a point on the show that if I feel like I got to say something i gotta say something i don't know enough about the international soccer pool your pool of players building a roster at your level things like that so i never vehemently disagreed with your decision to let go of coach shots but i didn't like it i thought hey it's just a bad year let's be a little more patient so i ask you now in retrospect when you're getting ready for a championship game and that was clearly a good decision by you was that the hardest decision you ever made? And why is Juan Guerra the right coach at the right time? And no, oh, I have a tremendous respect for Rick Schantz. He's, he's a friend. Um, unfortunately, it's the reality of the, the industry, right? Coaches um, come and go and, and, and Rick set the bar really high and, and worked so hard and, and cared so much and still does about this organization. And it was just time. Um, and, and that was a, you're right, it was an extremely difficult decision um, to make. And, um, you know, we, we also had difficult decisions on players. I mean, we, some of the players that, that we moved on from in, in this off season, um, you know, all league level players. And, and that's never easy, especially when the fans and, and everyone gets so close to it. Um, it it's tough. And, and sometimes it's it, it's hard for me, but you got to separate the emotions um, and, and make some decisions. So. The opportunity to bring Juan on board, um, that wasn't easy either. Um, he was he was working with another organization. Um, Juan, we had a chance to spend a, a good amount of time together when he was an assistant with us. So we, we knew what kind of person he was first and foremost. And that's important, right? We've talked about it. You and I have talked about it. Uh, the type of – there's a lot of talented individuals out there in this world. But for an organization that's only seven years old, that's in a very competitive market, um, and it's got to be an extension of the community, you have to start with good people. That's in the front office. That's in the coaching staff. That's on the field. And, and want to immediately check that box. Uh, unbelievable guy. His family is fantastic. They have been – his wife and three young children have been making the trek through Cal our California tour this last three weeks. Um, just a, just really good people uh, that, that – Cool. passion. I think anytime you talk to Juan Guerra immediately, you'll sense his passion. Um, he cares so much about this club as well. 
and, and wants this club and this organization to give the fans what they want. And that's a, that's a championship. So I think you see his energy, you hear it, you feel it when he talks to every player, when he talks to the front office, when he talks to the media, when he talks to our corporate community, we, we knew he had that about him. And then, you know, in the process of our interview with him uh, for the head coach position, he, he was he had so much conviction on how he wanted to play and such a strong belief in how he wanted to play that it made it a little bit easier to say, okay, I got it. Like a clear identity. And I think um, this isn't about Phoenix Rising, but in just in general, if, if everyone understands what the identity of the team is, right? And every day, the culture of the organization, something that we talk a lot about and you see you want people to come into the, the building each and every day and they know what are our values. You're right. We got to have some enjoyment. We got to work hard. Obviously some of these things that everybody talks about, um, but you have to, it has to be reflected in the day, the day in and day out of the locker room. And, and you see that. So when you're bringing people in from 14, 15 different countries, that's really important to understand and, and honesty, right? There's a lot of honest conversations. There's a lot of tough conversations, but I don't think any player that has walked through the door this year. And we've let a few players go. Shoot, we sold our, our player, Kevin Lambert, who has the most caps for us in, in our history and has won everything for us. We sold him in the middle of the year when you talked about being in a little bit of a rut. So I think that says a lot about us, the belief in the system, the belief in the organization, mm -hmm. the belief that are people in here. So I think that Juan has been the leader of that. And I think you're seeing his, which, I, which I'm aware of, because I, I know his coaching acumen, but I think during this playoff run, if you look at the decisions that, that have been made in the moment when there's pressure, right? When we're down had goal, substitutes. Yeah, the substitutes that have come on. It's not easy, right? Every player on this roster, right? Eight, only 18 players get to dress, but it's our job. We try to recruit, you know, two players at every position. It's very competitive. If you have a competitive environment day in and day out, and no one is that comfortable, right? That they like, am I going to be starting? Am I going to be on the bench? Am I going to be outside of the 18? So when you got 22 players that are pushing and fighting every day, come the day that you announce the travel party, it's tough. You got some tough conversations. And one, two, every day that this that he's had to make that decision has conversations, right? And we have a support staff back here when players aren't traveling. So I think players appreciate that honesty. They may not like the decision, but they at least get a chance to understand the reasoning why. Mm -hmm. So even going into the playoffs, only 18 can dress, only 11 can start. That's tough. Everybody wants to start. Everyone wants to fight. We don't know if this is going to be our last game. So he's, he, he's man management skills throughout this and his honesty and transparency have been very good. And then you see his tactical acumen, acumen and you see, you know, all three games on the road. We've had over 60% possession. Um, I think that we've created more opportunities every game. You see us, you know, fighting and pushing in San Diego. The second week we got, we got punched in the first overtime punch. We were on the back foot. Subs are made, decisions are made, subs come off the bench. Someone that has sat on the sidelines for 110 minutes can come onto the field and make an impact, create an assist like, like Erickson Gallardo did in the 120 And just even save yeah. a window to make the substitution from a Exactly. So then you see us, you go into Orange County, same deal, right? Tough environment. Um, you know, we score early. They're all over us. We make some decisions at halftime, tactical decisions, and look. We're on the front foot. We're going, we're going, we're going, going to overtime. Emmy Cuejo, come on, boom, hammer, goal. And then you go into Sacramento, 12,000 people in there, tough environment. What do we do? We turn the ball over early in the you know middle of the first half, counterattack, goal. Well, how do our guys respond? And you see that fight, you see that push. 
Um, Darius Formello gets subbed out. We make a few changes. Manu Artiaga, 15 goal scorer. One of the top, uh, what is he, top five or six goal scorers in the league this year. On the bench in the playoffs. And we come on again. Emmy scores a great goal, um, silences that stadium. But where, where it's going is it's, it's all kind of a reflection on a wand that every player believes, every, every player understands their role. Everyone is together. And, and I think that, that we knew that there, there was a lot of that. And I think our fans, the other teams, they're all starting to, to really see what we've known about him is he's got a lot of tactical acumen um, and, and he knows how to lead a group of men and bring people together from all over. And, and the, you know, what we've done, this is the standard now winning this Western conference trophy. We had a bad year. We recruited coaches and players to get us back to where we we're at right now and that's what we even had one of our owners speak to the team yesterday we're so appreciative these guys they did what we what we wanted them to do what the expectation is and it was hard it was a long summer there was ups there was downs um you know we dealt with some adversity and, and the fact that this this group that we handpicked coaches and players were able to get us back to where we belong it's awesome. And now they have an opportunity to do something we've never done before. So I'm just so proud of the players, the coaches, everyone, the front office that works so hard and all that uncertainty of the transition. Um, I just, you know, took a moment to kind of reflect and, and we're back to where we belong. And we got an opportunity on Sunday to do something that we haven't done before. Bobby, talk to other business owners and business leaders or even middle managers. I'm not saying courage like our military, our police, our firefighters, but you had to have a great deal of courage to move on from Rick, a great deal of courage to choose Juan, a coach. Like you said, I, he was at Oakland at the time, and you bring him back, who was a former assistant. The decisions you have already mentioned of who the, the, the changing of the roster and then the decisions to go to management or go to ownership and say, now we want this, now we want that. Talk about that courage talk about some of the angry tweets you might have received and and mean phone calls that you had to overcome like talk about that courage and, and teach them what goes into the process of some of the decisions that you've made at first as gm and then now as president and gm yeah no it's it's definitely not about me i'm, I'm fortunate um one my i, I think it's like it's good to have a good support system right so it, it's not always easy it's it is stressful um, but a fantastic wife and, and three kids that keep me grounded and um, that are all in on this as well. And my kids have, have been on the road in the playoff games. They, they live and breathe this as much as I do. And I can tell you what, I mean, I, I, I care so much about this organization. The organization's given so much to me and I care so much and we're not going to get every decision right. Um, but I can tell you that we, we do it with the best of intentions and that's, we want to, we want to, <laughs> we want to put a good product out there on the field. We want an organization that people believe in. We've made mistakes as an organization. I continue to make mistakes. Well, we will make for, but we have to learn from them. And, and I think, you know, we're, we're constantly striving to get better. I can tell you that uh, next week, uh, Juan, one of our owners and myself are flying over to Europe and on a recruiting trip already and scouting players. So we're, we're constantly out, although we're, we're in the present, we also have to juggle what the future looks like as well. And, and so, with that, tough decisions um, have to be made. But but I think uh, you know, taking a moment, always just kind of taking a deep breath. One one somebody told me one time, if you know, every night when you go home, if you can look in the mirror and you say you you, you feel like you just you know you you made the decisions and um, that you feel comfortable with, and you were honest and you were truthful, 
um, you can lay down and, and feel good about yourself. So um, there's been a lot of sleepless nights. There's been a lot of stressful moments. Um, I think it comes down to the passion and the competitiveness that we want. I want a sold out stadium every day. I want, I want to be number one in every business metric in the league. I want to take this to higher levels. I want to win every trophy and win every game. Um, absolutely. Um, it doesn't happen that way, but I can tell you that we as an organization try to strive for that each and every day. And, and as long as, you know, we keep trying to be honest, uh, very good, a great relationship with our ownership. Um, they're, they're, they're around, they get it. Um, they continue to invest. It's, it's not easy on them either. Um, we've been dealt some curveballs as an organization, but I'm fortunate to have a really good group uh, around me, around us. This has never been about me, Bobby Dooley. It's, it's truly the entire organization and, and having good owners to, to bounce some things off, to, to not get too high, not get too low. I think, um, those are moments, although I was, I was the crazy guy running around the stands in Sacramento and orange County when we, when we did score a goal. So the passion comes out, I'll tell you that, but no, you got to stay grounded. You got to keep a, a, you know, kind of making sure that, that every decision that's made is in the best interest of the organization. And they may not always be well received, but I can tell you that collectively, whether that's where we're going to move the stadium or partners we align with or decisions that we make uh, on the field, um, those are all done with the, the best interest to, to try to put a good product that our fans are happy about. Well, I, I know full well, even though I didn't see you on camera as I was watching the games, I've been to enough playoff games with a nervous Bobby Dooley walking around to know exactly what you were like in that moment. Well, the, 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 you mentioned the future. So the future of you as general manager is Charleston. And like you said, your trip to Europe. But the future for you as president, I tell me about the stadium. Tell me how it's worked this year. Are you happy? And what are your long-term plans? Diamondbacks possibly want to move to Scottsdale, and I'm sure they need a retractable dome. Could they make it a soccer stadium as well? Could you take Chase Field? Are you happy where you are? Hey, you're, you're a potential championship team, and that's a pretty big chip to be able to play for your future. Where are you at stadium wise? No, I think, um, like I said earlier, we, we didn't know where we were playing um, in 23 a year ago at this time. So what a difference a year makes for us as, as an organization. And I, very excited about where we're at. You know, we talked about the central nature of, of our, our site. And I think um, that's what we're most excited about. And it's the accessibility, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you also look at the the fact of our, you know, the light rail. That's been a huge hit in our partnership with Valley Metro and, and people coming to and from the game. Now, we have a lot of things to work on, right? And, and we were still trying to get the stadium. We started the first three weeks on the road this current season. Um, there was so much uncertainty. And, you know, when you look at it from a business perspective, you look at how are you going to activate, um, you know, the concourse area? What's the food and beverage you know, operation going to look like? What are the challenges? There was just so much unknown, so many things that just we had to just go. And, and so I, you know, there, there was certainly some growing pains throughout the course of this year. We do surveys nearly after every game to get feedback from our fans so that we can grow and, and learn and listen. Um, so I think that's what I'm, I'm excited about to have. I mean, look at this, the, the season ticket member or ticket selling, selling process, right? That started back in August, you know, where we're communicating about 2024 season tickets. We did none of that last year, right? We yeah. didn't start any of that till, till January. So you, all those things where you're, you're trying to juggle, you know, internally, Hey, where are we going to play? When can we start selling tickets? What can I tell a sponsor on what their lot signs are going to look like or what in-game activation? 
I mean, I truly didn't know if we were going to be playing at a, a stadium at a university or a spring training field, or we're going to be moving our, our, our modular stadium. And, and that's, uh, that's the full truth at this time last year. So um, the support of the mayor and, and the city council, when they voted unanimously to have us, you know, here in Phoenix and Phoenix rising is finally home. I taking words out of, out, out of Mary Iago's mouth is, was, was really sweet to hear. Um, and now, take this year um some growing pains um and and uh, you know some people that wanted to see what we're all about and i think a, a bunch of new players a new stadium i think you know even some of our hardcore fans were like okay what is this phoenix rising of old or what's what's going on so um i, I think as we move forward really focused on the what i'm saying is the short term right getting ready for 2024 um where we got a bunch of subcommittees here internally in the front office that are working on everything from the game day experience to signage to in-game experience to watch parties and bar networks and all the things that go uh, along with the team and what i will tell you is winning really helps um, the buzz is there the, the, from the media coverage to, you know, um, to the support. And we have corporate partners that continue to renew with us. They continue new partners that are reaching out to, to find out ways to align with us, new fans reaching out. So I think all of that is fantastic. And I'm not looking past Sunday by any means, but we have to, as an organization, we're already in 2024 mode. And, and really got a great front office here that is is helping and looking forward and uh, really appreciative ownership. All, the entire front office is flying out to Charleston on on uh, on Saturday to be there for the match on Sunday. So um, it, it's it's a it's a good group of people that care a lot about the organization, care a lot about our fans, and making sure that the game day experience that our active activations in the community. We did so many things in the community this year. We have a reading program where our players were in different schools a couple of times a month. We've done so many clinics for kids in, in underserved areas. Those are things that are a part of Phoenix Rising and the fabric and that we'll continue to be doing moving forward. So I think, you know, from a business perspective, we have to continue to be, you know, community is one of our biggest, you know, initiatives and being out there and being active and, and accessibility. And when you when you talk about accessibility, it's not just accessibility to coming to Central Phoenix for games or, you know, complimentary ride on the light rail with a ticket. It's accessibility to our players. And, you know, you see our players out there in the community doing that. We have to continue to do that more and more. You see our players signing autographs for 45 minutes after every game. Those are things that when we, when I talk about the recruitment of players that, that they have to do, like it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's not optional. It's not, not negotiable is, is being active and being out there. And so I think that's what makes Phoenix rising attractive to brand is we have a little bit more flexibility. We have a little bit more accessibility and uh, we're growing together and I'm not sure how far or how high we're going to take this, but I can tell you that we're working really hard and we're not going to stop and we want to be the gold standard on the field. And off the field, what the future holds for us, I'm not sure, but we're going to keep pushing and trying to, you know, touch the stars with this club. You mentioned you do a lot of clinics. Do you have any clinics for overweight media types? When's when's our clinic? I know. Now that we have a little bit, we, we got to do a fantasy camp. I know uh, Brandon McCarthy, uh, you know, former Major League Baseball player and pitcher, um, you know, uh, who's who's very active. I, I think he's been here every day for the. I know he's been here for the past year on the ground and, and helping on the sporting side and helping on the business side. And we've been talking about getting some fantasy camps. I just got to make sure our, uh, our insurance waivers are in line before we do that. So 
Exactly. I uh, my first shift at an indoor game about five years ago. There went the plantar fascia. It was it was, uh, but I had already paid a hundred bucks, so I'm not coming off the field. So I'm like, I couldn't run, but I still played because come on, once you spend yep. the money, you're out there. You're out there. Look it up. So let me ask a question to General Manager Bobby Dooley. Is my last question. I realize you aren't in the weeds like Juan Guerra is, but give us your kind of scouting report for the game. What do you want to see from the rising? What concerns you about the battery what should the uh, average fan be looking for this might be the first time they've watched a rising game to see the championship game so what are you looking for in this game yeah so we our first game of the year this season ironically was at charleston um we're a bit different we brought some new players on board um, throughout the season we've lost a few guys we had some injuries they're different as well um but uh, I, their team president um, is an absolutely fantastic person. He's, you know, from a league perspective, he's probably one of my, my uh, closest allies in the league. So really happy for him. This is his first year at the club as well. There was a lot of changes there. This is the first time ever that two teams that are playing in the final that weren't in the playoffs the, final, the previous season. Okay. So new president. New uh, new co- head coach, Ben Pierman. Ironically, Ben and Juan, there's eight coaches right now in the United States that are taking their pro, um, pro license course with U.S. soccer. So in soccer, there's different badges you get to be coaching, uh, and you have to have an A license to do that. And so it's a mixture of coaches from Major League Soccer and WSL. Um, and then the USL and the only two USL coaches that are of the eight uh, the coaches this year in it, it's Juan Guerra and it's Ben Pierman, the coach of Charleston, wow. which is pretty cool. So, um, so that's, that's fun. But, but Ben is a fantastic coach. Um, one thing I've continually hear from players that have played for Ben and you see it when you're watching them is they'll run through a wall for Ben um, in Charleston. And he, he's got those guys in there. It's 11 guys on the field that know exactly what they're doing. So you see the way they press, they, the way they come out. And, and when I say press, you'll say, oh, they're going to be up on the front foot and push us. I don't know. Um, but if they aren't, as soon as the ball goes past the player, I mean, those guys are sprinting and working hard. So there's 11 guys on the field that are going to work. So we have to do – we're a team that possesses the ball. We had over 700 passes in our game against San Diego, I believe, um, 600 the other two games, 60% possession. So we're a team that's on the ball, very technical players, likes to draw the opponents out, likes to keep them moving. So hopefully we're able to move them, uh, but they're going to work really hard. And we can't afford to make mistakes. You saw in Sacramento, we made a mistake. You saw in San Diego, we made two mistakes. You saw in, in Orange County, we had a lapse on a, on a you know, it's just a simple throw in. You know, we just didn't react oh, fast yeah. enough. So we have to be turned on. We have to be switched on the entire 90, 120, whatever it takes. We have to be done on because Ben's team will punish us. They have a lot of talent. They work really hard. And when you put those two things together, it's going to be really dangerous. So for us, I think fans that have never watched us before are going to see a really technical team team that's going to move the ball that's very brave you'll see a goalkeeper that gets really high you'll see a goalkeeper that holds onto the ball really long but we're doing that to attract our opponent and pull them out so that we can open up and find the free man so it's bravery um i think that's one thing you'll see the way we play you'll see the quality we got a guy like danny trejo he led the league in goals and assists he can make a moment out of nothing and you'll see that out of there uh, Darius Formella, a, a midseason acquisition. Darius, he scored. Uh, he scored the goal in the 119th minute in San Diego. Um, you, you see his 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 work rate. So 
he's scored, I think, five or six goals since he's been here after the 85th minute. Um, you see you see guys in the back, John Stenberg and Ali Fuenmayor. These are two players that have played every minute in this playoff run. And and, and along with Rocco, our goalkeeper, those three guys have been on the minute on the field for everything. You'll see guys come off the bench, right? Um, like Manu Artiaga, or I, I don't know. I mean, they have come off the bench previously. But Manu is a guy that scored 15 goals, I think top five or six in the league, and he's accepted, you know, so far. Again, I don't know what, what decisions are going to be made on the training <laughs> field. But uh, guys that come off the bench. But ultimately, I think the thing you'll, as as someone that's a, turning on the television or someone that supported Phoenix Rising, you know, since the beginning seven years ago, I think you're going to see an organization that continues to fight and continues to believe no matter what happens, whether we go up or we go down, whether we play 90 minutes or we play 120 minutes. And you've seen two times in the past three weeks, us go that full length, us score very late. You've seen another time where we go, we go down in a really tough environment. It would have been very easy to fold in Sacramento this past week, but our group responded and fought to the last minute. And you see, 24 guys you see the coaches you see everyone celebrating together with our fans so i think something that win or lose you're going to see a club that i think people are going to be proud that they support um and hopefully they want to come back and come back for more because these guys have, have worked really hard they've they've believed in the coaching staff they believed in this market they signed here unknown because of what phoenix the market what the fan base um what what you know the, the players and coaches have done before here so you see a group that understands that and is going to fight for each other there's no individuals it's a team stay together accept your role whatever it is and come in and play the full uh full duration how long that is and i think i think i hope that shows through because i know that to be the case out of this group and i'm gonna i'm gonna stand there i might get i might get a little emotional here or there throughout the performance but i'm really proud of this 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 group the entire organization you know to get us back to where everyone wants us to be and now let's go do something we've never done before with Juan having the A license, do you have any coaches that are like on their D license? I think that's where I I got to. So if, if USL ever needs a D license coach, and you guys ever – I think there's one 14-year-old in the league, right? So if you ever need a guy that can coach 12-year-olds, make sure you give me a holler. Absolutely. <laughs> You you deserve this. Congratulations. Great. Uh, I'm glad to call you a friend. And as my new podcast continues to grow, let's get back together and let's try to work together next year. I'd love to help you guys out. You deserve it. And at the same time, you guys are much bigger than me, so I need your help <laughs> too. So congratulations. No, Everything we appreciate, that you deserve. appreciate the friendship. Appreciate the continued support. Um, and uh, we'll try to make you proud on Sunday. Absolutely. I know you guys will. Thank you, Bobby. Good luck. Here. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now it's big it's juicy it's meaty get your burrito at burrito express if you're having a hangover a bad day even a good day still get your burrito at burrito express it will make you feel better 
like listening to that as much as I like talking to Bobby Dooley, President General Manager of the Phoenix Rising. A really enjoyable conversation for me. Thanks a lot for being a part of that. And I realize uh, it wasn't that bad if if you're watching us, but for those of you that are going to be listening to the podcast on Amazon, Google, Spotify, uh, sorry that the audio didn't sound uh, all that great. I'll, I'll uh, maybe I'll bring in like a one of my microphones from home or something like that next time I, I do something like that. But it was uh, it was really cool of of Bobby to do that. Pretty soon we're going to be talking to Brad Smith of the Organic Football Show that is every Tuesday afternoon and Sunday morning here on WTSMTV.com to help you with your uh, fantasy football team. But before we get into that, let's talk ASU. This is some of the things that uh, Coach has said throughout the week. Some of it was just yesterday. Some of it I hadn't had a chance to get to. But I was pretty entertained by this. He was asked about the transfer portal, selling the program, and the focus for recruiting right now. And listen to the importance that he puts on the offensive line and getting linemen to choose Arizona State. Be very, very aggressive. Uh, in the portal for sure. Uh, defensive line, we're going to have to grab some people losing to Sean. Uh, probably linebacker, uh, you know, get some depth there with Trey, with Trey leaving. Uh, we lose a few corners. So I think it's kind of, you know, our wide out room. I feel really confident. I mean, we have, you know, we just got Jordan back, but we also have Jake. So we've, you know, we've been without two of our best wide outs kind of all year that we took in the portal that we knew one, you know, wasn't going to play and the other was 50-50 with, you know, NCAA, but we knew they were really good players. And for the future, we wanted to put them on our roster. So next year we actually get to, you know, reap that benefit. So I would say those positions uh, for sure. But, yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to get slash bring in the best talents you can bring in. And if that means we become a 14 personnel team, we're 14. Highly doubt it. But you're going to bring in the best players. But O-line is definitely priority A, B, C, D, and probably E and F too. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you didn't think that was funny. O-line's going to be a priority, you know, be priority A and B, C, uh, and, and maybe E and F. <laughs> I, I was entertained by that. You you heard him say, "Hey, you recruit the best players, and then you adjust your scheme before a fourteen personnel team." Then that's what we are. Just so you understand that the silliness of that joke. When you hear somebody say personnel and they say 14, it's not actually the number 14 or jersey number 14. The number 14 has is is nothing. It's not really 14. It's a 1 and a 4. It's two separate numbers, but you don't say 1-4 personnel. You say 14 personnel because you're slamming it together. The 1, the first number, represents how many running backs you have. The second number represents how many tight ends you have. So a Imagine playing in a formation where you seriously have four tight ends. The truth is nobody would put four people that play the position of tight end on the field at the same time. What they would do is they would put three or four line offensive linemen that are extra linemen reporting as eligible. If you ever see a player walking onto the field going like this, that, you know, that, hey, I'm reporting as eligible, and then the referee announces number 72 is reporting as eligible. That That's more NFL because jersey numbers are associated with personnel groups more in the NFL, but I was kind of entertained uh, by that, uh, that one. Okay, ASU, UCLA coming up in the 
the Rose Bowl, Coach, uh, you, you've talked a lot about the coaching staff, the run game. Explain all of the things that make UCLA strengths. So you can never actually have your players practice a copy-paste play. Whereas I would say 75% of offenses in college football, you can copy-paste plays exactly to what they see on game day. With uh, Chip Kelly, very rarely are you going to get a copy-paste play. You're going to get copy-paste concepts, but the concept may be tight end, double wing one week, and start an empty motion to running back in the backfield the next week, and your players have to be able to process this is the same thing. And this is the same fits. These are the same route pass-offs. But he makes you do them with different players. He makes you handle it with different motions. And I think that's what has made him successful over the years. That's a great breakdown of UCLA. What that means is what Chip Kelly does is Chip Kelly really only runs, I, I don't think I'm lying here. I bet he runs about 14 plays and that's it. Really. Maybe even less than that. Here's what's crazy, though. Every play has different players and different personnel groups, different formations that he's running it out of. So we just heard me talk about 14 personnel. He might run play A, and he might run it with this certain running back, this certain wide receiver in 11 personnel. One back, one tight end. Then, three, four plays later, he runs the exact same play but he does it with an empty backfield. Then he might run the exact, that same play, A, he might run a little bit longer. And it's it's that simple, that you're now going to do it with a fullback or heavy. They don't really use a fullback, but you get my point. They rotate it up quite a bit. And then uh, lastly, this is Kenny Dillingham just kind of telling us, hey, I know we've got some injuries, but there's actually a tiny benefit to it, even though it won't pay off until later. Oh yeah, too. I mean, we got we had a true freshman walk off on punt return. That's awesome. That's unbelievable. Last week, you know, we have guys working right now. We have a guy in the in the top seven, true freshman walk off in the top seven up front, and those things are unbelievable experience for those kids to get those reps early, uh, and it's only going to make us better in the future. Um, but for me, I'm worried about right, the right now. I'm not worried about the future until the future comes. I'm worried about how can we be the very best this week? How can we be the very best today? It's not about just building for the future. It's we want to build for the future, but I also want to freaking win. So we're going to do everything we can to win the football game, put our players in the best position to win. Also knowing by default, the future is getting built at a little bit faster rate because of you know the unfortunate injuries. Good answer, good answer. And speaking of injuries, whenever you think of injuries... Think Brad Smith, Organic Football Show, Organic Football Podcast. He joins us every Thursday to talk about everything fantasy football to make your team better. And first of all, when you go get a beer out of the fridge on Sunday, please don't replace it this week because today we told Brad, hey, sometime between 6.30 and 7. He's like, sure, that's fine. Then we said, hey, sometime between 6.45 and 7. He said, sure, that's fine. And then I said, all right, what time works? 7.10 or 7.30? No, 7.10 works. And here he is, nice enough to adjust to us. Brad, what, what all are you doing today? I, I see you're getting ready to go surfing, it looks like, in the sun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, just another day. Uh, it's a bright one out. It's pretty cold. But uh, just working at a new remodel ho- or a new new built house. Okay. It's like 7,000 square feet, and we're just plugging away at it. So 
easy for me to just break away. Oh, good. Congratulations on uh, another job that I know you guys do a, a great job at with new builds and things like that. So tell me, since Kenny Dillingham was talking about injuries with ASU, tell me about your fantasy football prep on the Organic Football Show of injuries. Where are some of your maybe secret sources? Where do you go? How do you learn about injuries? What work do you do to make your f- fantasy football team the best? A lot of people always ask me, like, how do you get your information so fast? How do you know everything? (laughs) It's very simple. It's called Fantasy Life App. Okay. It is. They literally give you notifications before ESPN knows. It's crazy. That's just a bunch of beat writers that all kind of come together. So as soon as they hear something, they report it to the site, and then everyone knows. That's fantastic. Good little tidbit for those. You have you have helped the unplugged army right there. I guarantee you there's somebody that's watching or listening right now had no idea about that, and you made their life an awful lot better. So tell me about this week. Who are, who are kind of the matchups you like? And I, and I mean that more of like I can look at matchups and say, okay, I like this team because of of this receiver against this corner or things like that but i admit i don't make that leap to then fantasy are there any players out there going into this week that you think this guy's a little bit of a sleeper uh for the most part like if you have your studs you're pretty much going to start them no matter what the matchup is right so i don't get too boggled down on the matchups it's more like that final flex spot like who i'm trying to pick with that last guy and then that's kind of where you want to pick the matchups. Okay. Uh, but this Thursday night, I've always talked about running backs have an edge on Thursday night because they have less time to prepare. They just they tend to have better games, and the defense isn't doing so great. So with Khalil Herbert not playing, he's still out. If Foreman is still on your waiver wires, uh, I think you should go grab him. I think he's going to have a nice game. And, yeah, I think the Bears are actually going to have a decent game today. Uh, Jeff Weir Production, do me a favor. Pull that comment right there from Brad Smith because I can't wait on tomorrow's Doug Franz Unplugged to look at the Bears game and give Brad Smith credit for uh, calling that out. Don't worry, Brad. If he flames out, we, we just won't air it. 17-13. I've got it. <laughs> uh, but we're going we're gonna to prop up Brad Smith uh, on that one. Since you guys also on the Organic Football Show talk about gambling, I'll just go ahead and admit it. Coming up uh, in about 35 minutes, versus Vegas here on Doug Franz Unplugged. And you just said you kind of like the Bears today. I like the under. So I, I'm just dying to know. Let me see. I forget what it is. I think it's 37 and a half, uh, 38 and a half. I, I think with that's that. That's a low under. With, I know. With that, exactly. But with that quarterback display that's going to go on, I mean, I'm looking 2017 is like the extreme. I don't see two teams into the 20s. What do you think? I don't know. I don't really give credit to their defenses that well. So even though it's bad play, I mean, even bad college football teams put up a lot of points. So, <laughs> so I don't know. I wouldn't. I would probably stay away from that under. Usually, I don't like to pick unders because it's a finite amount of points. I always like to stick to the over because if there's overtime or whatever, you know, you always have that extra edge. So if it is an under and I'm leaning that way and it is low. I just usually do no bet on that and just try and find something else. Okay, okay. I uh, I'll stick with it, but now I'm in fear. So thank you. I'll be shaking when I uh, when I <laughs> when, when I when I hand that in. At this point of the season, 
what is a good fantasy footballer doing to try to – this sounds funny – get his team ready? It sounds like I'm asking you, do you give a speech to your players or something like that? But now, you just mentioned it. You're starting your starters. Your roster's basically set. All of the gems are probably gone from the waiver wire, I would assume. But what's the expert fantasy guy doing right now that the average fantasy guy isn't? Uh, one thing is always look at playoff schedules. I talked about that because I don't know if your trade line has approached or passed. It's your one last moment to try and go get a top tier guy. Look for guys that have been on IR for two, three weeks, like a Justin Jefferson, a Kyron Williams. Maybe people have forgotten about them. They haven't scored many points, but when they come back, they're going to be a force to reckon with. So there are always these guys that have been IR for two, three weeks and they're about to come off in, you know, anywhere from one to three weeks. So go get them have them on your bench or your start roster to make a good playoff push. How often in just one league, not, not, I don't know if you're in like seven leagues, but in just one fantasy football league, how often do you make a trade request? Uh, it's, I'm probably thinking about them daily. I probably only send in the early weeks. It's probably like three or four a day. And then it kind of tones down to like one every other day, one every third day, because there's only so many teams that want to trade. And I've done 13 trades this year. So wow. a lot of a lot of teams don't want to trade with me. And I'm also 17 and one. So they don't want to make my team better. <laughs> so it's getting incredibly hard to to make trades. So can I just tell you how good I feel having a fantasy football expert that's 17 and one? Like I'm scared to death to go to a barber that's got wild hair. You know, because I was like, hey, what am I doing? How do I know? Now, granted, if he could make my hair wild, I would be thrilled to death considering my hair issues. But I, I, I think you can judge a barber by their hair. Well, I, I, I look at you and I'm so proud. I would hate to have you as a fantasy football expert coming on once a week to help us go three and nine. So that's, a, that's I mean, that's an unbelievable record. What, what's been your key this year to your wins? Uh, health, pretty much. I've been lucky. I haven't had many injuries, so... Even my injuries to Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill, they came out of the game and went back in the game or only missed, like came out of the game, still had 12 points and was back the very next game. So, and I do have the number one and two running back and number one wide receiver and Tyreek Hill, ETN and Christian McCaffrey. So wow, when you, when you get guys that can score 30, 40 points a game and they hit, it's just, even that Jalen Warren, I, I won last week with Jalen Warren as my top back. I got to ask, with you being able to have Tyree Kill and Christian McCaffrey, is your league like a bunch of nursing home ladies or what? I, how in the world do you get both of those guys? Well, we do an auction draft, so you have to pay for them. Ah. So, so I paid – you get a $200 budget, and I paid $70 for Christian McCaffrey and $63 for Tyree Kill. So I spent – 133 of my $200 on those two guys. Wow. And it's obviously – so for people that do an auction draft, are you – do you – I mean, obviously with your success, do you highly recommend just going for it on two top-level guys and filling in everything else? Or have you been burnt by that? Because if those two guys get hurt and that's over 50% of your cap, you're a dead duck, aren't you? That is correct. That is a risk you take. But I did feel like – Tyreek Hill in the offseason was running, and I actually thought he got faster than last season, which was an incredible feat. I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> and I just like the shape he was in. And Christian McCaffrey, I just – I always feel like he takes care of himself when it comes to being tackled. He knows how to fall. 
he doesn't really kind of put himself at risk. So I know he's had injuries in the past, but I just felt like this year they'd be doing well. I've also taken the other route in other seasons and kind of just went all value guys and just paid no more than 35 for a guy and just, you know, waited to the end where no one had money and then I could just outbid everyone and just get who I wanted. <laughs> I love, that's interesting, especially with McCaffrey. That was a, a gutsy opinion. Okay, last second, last second advice for anybody or what you're watching or what you're working on right now for coming up this week and give uh, Organic Football uh, a free plug. What are you guys talking about on Sunday? Well, on Sunday, we're going to have a special guest, Marky Marks, back. So we're going to be there talking with you guys, giving you all the latest updates, the injuries, the waivers. And we're even going to dive into a little, uh, you know, fantasy theory on how to, like, approach, manage your team and kind of, you know, do all the ins and outs of the fantasy season. So it'll be great. Join us uh, 10 a.m. to 11. And, yeah, it'll be great. That's fantastic. And again, for those of you who are in the Unplugged Army, did you uh, notice the time change? Because kickoff, early morning kickoff is now at 11 o'clock in the morning for all of us in Arizona. The show has moved for, to 10 o'clock. Make sure you're watching. Really important to be a live member to watch them live because they're the ones that will help you set your lineup. Should be part of your fantasy viewing, getting you ready for every Sunday morning. Brad, you're fantastic. Have a, have a great day in the sun. All right, thanks, Doug. Have a great day. Working. See you. See you, buddy. There's Brad Smith, Organic Football Show and Organic Football Podcast. You can watch it right here on WTSM TV. They really help you with waiver claims and ideas every Tuesday and then every Sunday. Boy, is it key to get the right guy, set that lineup, and then with the way they cover injuries, you can watch them. They can tell you who's hurt. And then they have a pretty good guess on on who's available on anybody's waiver wire. So you know, hey, in a pinch, who should I pick up to replace somebody? And they're also very interactive. If you have specific questions about your team, you can take a screenshot. You can email them your actual team, and they'll give you some ideas on what you should do or ideas to improve your team. And also, they know more about these players than I have ever seen. Like, it's amazing the knowledge they have on these NFL players. That's it's crazy. That's of you to, to, to say that, Jeff Weir Production. And yeah, that's the other thing. Even if you're not a fantasy guy, I think you'll really enjoy watching and listening. And they also talk gambling. So you might not be a, you might be a, not a daily fantasy person, but you are more of a gamble on the games. They help you with that, too. You heard him how quick uh, he was to disagree with me. Yes, it's an extremely low under. If both teams get to 20 points, I'm a dead duck. But I just think both teams are so bad, it's going to be a punt fest uh, today. I want to play this for you. Uh, if you don't mind getting the uh, uh, Kurt Warner ready for me, Jeff Weir production. This is from Kurt's Twitter handle, at Kurt13Warner. And... I just thought this was phenomenal, okay? He breaks down what I've always called a sale route. He, he calls it uh, 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 an out, but a, a little bit of a different uh, um, post read in which you're kind of running a post, which means you go up the field and right where the goal post is, you kind of just angle up that way, but you just keep going right across the field. And he starts talking about pre-snap read, and I wanted to play it for you in case you're like me, if you have an insatiable uh, uh, appetite to keep learning the game, especially from an expert like Kurt, I think you'll enjoy this. All right, teaching tape. So here he is looking at the um, route for the Saints to be able to make a play. 
They, they, they try to attack that area. They get man-to-man. There's a chance for a big play. It's an easy throw for a quarterback because it's coming back into his face and oftentimes into a lot of space over here. And so quarterbacks, coaches, teaching point when you've got this deep over right here, okay, and there's, there's no safety help, so you're going to see on these different plays that it's going to turn out to be just one safety high in the middle, so there's no safety help high to this side. So what do, what do we want to think about on this particular play? The biggest thing that I want to look at as a quarterback, pre-snap and then right at post-snap, is what's happening with this backside defender, okay, so there's no safety high. What's happening with this backside defender? What I already see pre-snap is he's down, okay? So he's down within five yards of the line of scrimmage. The other thing I want to know is what's my backside receiver doing? As long as my backside receiver is staying in a low position, running a short route, I want to peek at that backside defender on the snap. So if he stays down... I want to be ready to get that big throw up over the top. So watch how Do this plays out. Stop okay? this for just a second, Jeff. They're going to run back to a one-high look. There's no safety. Okay. The, I'm eating this stuff up, but I want to make sure for those of you that are listening to the podcast, A, hey, try to consider watching WTSMTV.com so you can see this video. But if you're listening, this is when you hear me jumping up and down about pre-snap read, post-snap validation. It's exactly what Kurt Warner is talking about. And it takes a great deal of film study by the quarterback and then the confidence to recognize it, where if you're watching a defense and you see they're always in press man or their corners are close to the line of scrimmage or their corner doesn't watch your eyes. You want to take advantage of that and you want to be thinking about it on Wednesday. You want to be thinking about it on Thursday. A lot of quarterbacks say, man, he's a competitor. He loves to compete. Okay, that's on Sunday. But is he competing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and studying tape? So what he was talking about on the deep over, is one receiver to the quarterback's right for a right-handed quarterback. That receiver on his team is in his face. And he's going to run up the field, and then he's going to turn left, and he's going to go across the field. So you heard Kurt Warner talking about the safety. If it's one single high safety, that means it's like playing baseball with a center fielder and no right and left fielder. There's only one guy. So you can easily hit a ball to left field, and that safety, has, or excuse me, that center fielder has to run all the way over and get it well it's no different in football if you're playing with uh, a two deep zone you've got two outfielders in a sense that might take away that throw but with only one safety that receiver can run right in front of the safety and go across the field and as long as your offensive line blocks well to give him time to run across the field you're going to be open but then you heard him talk about i want to look pre-snap at the backside receiver in the backside corner The fear there is if the backside corner notices that there's going to be a deep over that comes in behind him, he might read the quarterback's eyes and drop back into that space, and that quarterback won't see him. So you've got to know. What is my front side receiver doing? He's running a deep over. What is my backside receiver doing? I already know he's going to stay close to the line of scrimmage. So if that corner on the backside is staying with the backside receiver, that corner is going to end up too close to the line of scrimmage to be able to drop back and cover the deep over. 
This is where you hear me lose my mind about two topics, okay? One topic, and I'm not trying to blast you if you're a big fan and you say this a lot. I am in no way trying to be a jerk to you. But so often fans will go, what a terrible play call. I can't believe they called that play. Well, that's because so many people think because some guy runs across the line of scrimmage and they throw him the ball on, let's say it's second and nine, and you throw a ball three yards to the guy just beyond the line of scrimmage, and you say that's a bad play. No, there was a route concept, and the quarterback didn't follow the concept. He didn't check the backside corner. He just looked at the first guy that was open and didn't read the play from the beginning. So the call created a deep shot the call created a 25 yard passing possibility and the quarterback chose the three yard possibility or a quarterback looks at the pre-snap sees that backside corner is close and immediately thinks I've got that deep over that deep over is going to be open so he drops back and he's only looking up at the safety making sure the safety doesn't come over and guess what he stops paying attention to that backside corner that's the post snap validation you hear me talk about that that guy doesn't drop back into that space since he or he does actually so since he drops back into that space that deep over isn't there then the quarterback is thinking the whole time not looking over here he's going i got that deep over i'm gonna have that deep over i'm fooling the safety i'm looking the safety off boom and he throws it and he never even sees there's a corner standing right there because he didn't make sure the corner followed the backside receiver. It's almost like you want the backside receiver to go the wrong way on a one-way street. So everybody dives out of the way. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then the other guy's sailing just fine on a back street somewhere else. Okay, keep going, Kurt Warner. On that backside numbers, what's the backside defender do? Boom. He clutches to that backside receiver. Watch Taysom Hill right here. There is no help to the backside. There's the big throw. As he gets past that dropping safety to the backside numbers, there is nobody there. Easiest throw, big play, oftentimes in football. If we read this right, we understand what we're seeing pre-snap and post-snap, there's our shot. Now, maybe Derek doesn't have time to do that. we got pressure coming, but just wanted to show you what that looks like. Looks like. All right, here we go. One with the Packers. Okay, so the Packers on this particular play is they're going to run to a four-strong look. Here comes the over. They're going to run the backside guy on a slant, so an underneath short throw. What do we get? We get the one high. We see the backside defender already down in a press look. I want to verify that on the snap. Come over here, verify it. Jordan Love's looking over to this side. Boom. Boom. Who's back there on the backside numbers? Absolutely nobody. Here comes this guy. Keep that high angle. If he stays over to that side, there it is. There's the big throw coming over the top. Nobody there. And you see it over and over again if you're looking at okay, go ahead and stop the it, entirety of the picture. Number one, it is an unbelievable follow to follow at Kurt13Warner. Even if you're not on Twitter, I think it's worth it just to follow Kurt Warner. Such a good dude. Everybody in this town knows what a good person he is. But the way he teaches football, and it's so wonderful to hear him look at that, and you really see quarterback failure in a much better way. 
And how many? And I learned a lot of my football from two people: a guy named Al Saunders, who was the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, Chiefs, and Jeff Van Rapphorst, the Rose Bowl winning quarterback for ASU. Because we would sit on the plane and watch film, and he would teach me things, and a little bit from Coach Don Baki as well at ASU, where we would talk a lot of ball on the ASU plane. It helped me out tremendously, and I love what Kurt Warner is explaining there. And again, for those of you that were just listening and you don't see the video. There's three things that I always say. It's, it's pre-snap understanding what's going on. Your pre-snap read, your post-snap validation. Because they try to fool you. You can understand that. We're trying to show you a defensive look, and that's not really what we're going to do. So you need to see, do they do the exact same thing that they should be doing post-snap? Then there's throwing somebody open. Okay, have you ever heard that phrase? You throw them open. This is so cool. On the last play, Jordan Love bailed because Jordan Love didn't follow exactly what I just said, those steps. Pre-snap read, I know I've got a deep over going from my left to my right. So the big shot will be the upper right-hand quadrant for me as a quarterback. That's what this route is. I've got that. Now, how do I get to take advantage of it? My pre-snap read says I've only got one safety over there but there's another safety and a corner on my front side. So the first thing I do pre-snap is I drop back and I watch that safety and I take a peek out of the corner of my eye and make sure that nobody in the backside is bothering me. Then as soon as the safety jumps that slant route that's going across the field from my right to my left, that pulls everybody out of this area in my upper right-hand quadrant of the field. Now that I know no one is over there, what do I have to do? I throw my receiver open. I don't throw it right to my receiver. And nobody, and you can't say, oh, the pressure. Like, how many times have you heard fans say, he can't throw it. The pressure's right in his face. He never has time to throw it. You don't need time on a play like that because you put it up into space. You don't have to check, is he open? Because you already know where the safety is, what the backside corner is doing, that means there's no one there. And if that means there's no one there, it doesn't have to be this accurate, perfect pass that hits him in the Adam's apple. It means you put it up. The more pressure you have, you give up accuracy to complete the pass. Let the receiver adjust to it. Put more air underneath it or throw it closer to the boundary. So therefore, if he can't catch it, it's not a pick. It's an incomplete pass. But you give it up to him because you know he's open. What other quarterbacks do is they have to see you open. Oh, you're open. Okay, I'll throw it. That's when it's too late. We've already moved on now. Okay, he's not open anymore, or that's when the pressure gets you. So Jordan Love didn't do that on that play, and then bailed and said, okay, I'm going to check it down to this running back because the pressure is getting to him. You already should have released it. That's a great lesson from Kurt Warner. Hopefully you love that as much as I did to kind of learn sometimes sometimes people are right. Sometimes you're right as a family. That's a terrible play call. Terrible play calls happen, okay? The, the king of it is Cliff Kingsbury. But sometimes you'll hear, that's a terrible play call. Why did they throw, why did George, they call it a little screen right here? Why would they do that? No, no, no. The play should have gone here. And, and that's the difference. I love that. Um, let's go to uh, Jonathan Gannon real quick, if we could. Um, 
Jeff Weir production. Uh, JG sat down, and remember yesterday he just sat, uh, or Monday he sat down and said, here's the plan with Kyler Murray, here we go. This time he sat down and, and let us know that, um, oh, I know that was four-minute offense, sorry. He let us know that James Conner is in. He's ready to go. So that was number one. And then the conversation moved into a pretty good dude. And I always want to give him free plugs because I know how hard he works and I know how smart he is and how involved he is in the community. He was, Jonathan Gannon was asked about how much Kelvin Beecham has been playing lately because of different injuries at the tackle position and what kind of affordability that is to and a blessing to have a player of Beecham status be your swing tackle. Huge, yeah. Beach has played a you know a, a, a good role for us. Um, you know, obviously a productive player, a guy that we feel good about going in there and playing. So uh, glad we have him. This is some of the least he's played over the previous couple seasons. Obviously, with uh, DJ and PJ on the other side of the offensive line. How do you think he's kind of embraced that new role? He's been excellent. He's an ultimate pro. Uh, I talk to him a lot. I pick his brain a lot. Um, he always has a good viewpoint of what's going on and and things like that. So he's been a huge resource for me. I like that too because he admits how much he talks to Kelvin Beecham. Kelvin Beecham's a smart, smart dude. And it's funny the guy says he's playing less than you know than he ever has. That's true, but I still think it's more than he expected this year because of some of the the bang up injuries that have happened at tackle. Oh, is it? I didn't know that. Okay, thank you for that. Um, I, I hope everything's okay with you, uh, with you, Steve. Was that planned? Is everything all right? Do you know? Uh, yeah, it was planned. Oh, the yeah. je- I'm so sorry, Steve. You know what? Now that I now that I th- Steve came into the office and told me that the other day, and I totally forgot. I apologize. That was my fault. I forgot to to remind you. I don't I don't blame you. I don't think it's your job as the not director of sports programming to know what's going on programming wise on our sports station. Well, there hasn't been a hashtag blame <laughs> Jeff in a while, so I figured okay. uh, just throw so it good. on. Let's just let's just make one up today. Thank you, thank there you. you. Doug didn't pay attention. Doug didn't listen. Doug didn't remember, and it's Jeff's fault. I, I you know, I love that idea. For, I'm going to start telling Jennifer that. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> when she says, "Wait, I told you about these. We we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to leave 30 minutes ago. Well, Jeff didn't tell me. You know, that'll be my new line. We'll see how well I can get away with that. Um, Kyler questions. It was kind of funny. Every now and then, Jonathan Gannon tries to play this game. I don't mind it, but it's almost like tough guy. I'm just going to answer the the exact specifics to your question and not go on. And then after that, he kind of realizes, eh, somebody might not like that. I my players might need to hear me. Okay, I'll change my answer. So, hey, coach. Just how excited are you that you've seen Kyler Murray actually out there running around preparing as a starting quarterback? Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about it. It'll be we got a good day, good week of practice set up, laid out for us, and um, he's he's probably more excited than me. Uh, maybe not. It's, uh, level of excitement's high. <laughs> the level of excitement is high. Like that could be a T-shirt. I mean, if, if somebody walks into work wearing a T-shirt, the level of excitement is high. I kind of, I don't know, I would be uh, impressed with it. I would want to see like a meter that's, like, that's kind of like DEFCON 1. You know, it's, it's, the, uh, it, it's the meter, the excitement meter. The, the level of excitement is high on today's Doug Franz Unplugged. 
And that's why you should play at Whirlwind Golf Club. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, uh, Kyler's work. What are, what are you seeing from Kyler right now in pre- preparation for Atlanta and really all the steps he's gone through this year? Well, that's why he is who he is. You know what I mean? That's why he's a very productive, really good player because of the way he practices and prepares. So, And that, I think, trickles down to the team. You know, And that's one of the reasons he's a captain. But um, because of his habits on a daily basis, you know, he's a, he displays winning behavior day in and day out. Um, so, yeah, we'll be smart about how we do things with him, but we'll see how he responds today. I wanted to play that for you because I think it's really important that I am very, very fair with you. I have a different opinion. You heard Jonathan Gannon specifically say that's why he's a captain on the team. I love his preparation. I see that work on the practice field. That's why people follow him. That's strong. Those are words that have never been said in a serious manner, in my opinion about Kyler Murray, the the NFL professional. Lincoln Riley loved the kid. We had Lincoln Riley on the old show right after the draft. And and it was glowing what he said. And I know of a different Kyler Murray. Now, here's the big question. Is Jonathan Gannon full of crap? Or has Kyler Murray changed? And this is, you got to be, I got to be fair on this. Jonathan Gannon truthfully only knows the Kyler Murray from, you know, February of 2023 until November of 2023. That's really his experience with is these 11 months from when he became the head coach. So he's either full of crap and Kyler Murray is not as prepared as he should be does not have the work ethic that he should or he's changed he's matured he's being held accountable by a real head coach at the nfl level and that's all jonathan gannon sees is this version of kyler murray give him a ton of credit i'll have to i'll never recant on my thoughts of the cliff and kyler combination i'll never recant on that I have too many people I've talked to. I have too many personal feelings after seeing some of it. Uh, I want to be fair, though, that that was a time that I got fired and was having trouble getting credentials and things like that, so I wasn't often there. But when I was there, I know what I saw, and I know who I've talked to. So I'm comfortable in that opinion. It's not fair for me to have that opinion now if Kyler's a different person. If Kyler is, or if he's the same person that's just matured a little bit and really embraced what it takes to be a truly professional quarterback. So I had to give you a counter view that Jonathan Gannon has, and then we'll judge going forward whether Jonathan Gannon was just saying that to get people to follow Kyler Murray, or if all he's seen in 11 months is exactly what he just described. Uh, now let's kind of go into preview mode, okay? Atlanta Falcons. We'll start with the Atlanta Falcons quarterback. It's Tyler Heineke, who uh, I know well as a Washington fan. Really electric player, fun player to root for. But obviously, if you could count on him not turning the ball over, he would still be in Washington. JG, you've been the defensive coordinator of the Eagles for a while. So you've been playing against Heineke in that division. What do you see? 
Yeah, he plays fast and he can make off-schedule plays. You know what I mean? So he uh, he can move around, make plays with his legs. Um, he's 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 got a strong arm, so he can push the ball down the field, um, both on time and, and you know, off-schedule. Um, and I know he's very, very smart and he operates well, so big challenge ahead. All right. Give me the whole rundown. There, there's the quarterback. Give me the whole rundown on the Falcons uh, in general. Yeah, well, offensively, they're top three in explosives. They generate explosives. They got some unique skill guys um, that they deploy differently. Um, you guys didn't do your research. Uh, two years, I shared an office this big with their head coach. And um, he was the offensive quality control, his defensive quality control in Tennessee. So he's... Um, you know, he's committed to running the ball and finds creative ways to do that. And then when you say, you know what, we're going to stop the run, he throws it over your head. So it's a very hard scheme to go against, and he's got good skill. It's well coached. Um, that would I say what about the offense. The defense, you know, he hired a new coordinator from New Orleans. Um, they bought some players, some premier players this offseason. Um, they, they got good skill, all three levels. They mix up looks. They do a good job of rushing cover. Uh, they, good, they do a a really good job on first down efficiency to get you behind the sticks and um, so we got to make sure we play the game on our terms um, special teams they do a couple different things as far as with their return units um, so we got to be able to combat that a little bit and um, and as always I think to play penalty free uh, and generate some explosives in the in, on fourth down that that's helped our team immensely I'm going to say something a little crazy. Give me room tomorrow. I might change my mind. Atlanta's lost three of their last four. And you might have Kyler. I don't think you're going to have James Conner, but you got Kyler Murray back. I'm not over when he's talked about Atlanta having leading the league or being in the top three in explosives. That was a little bit earlier in the year. Sell out to stop Bijan Robinson offensively, make or excuse me, defensively, make Heineke beat you over the top if he can't do it. Kyler makes an electric play or two. It's not crazy. Let me cheat right now and look at uh, the line on this game. How many points do I get with the Cardinals? I only get now. See, Vegas agrees with me. You only get one and a half if you take the Cardinals. You only get one and a half points. I, I think. I think we'll see. We'll see if I actually do it. I, I think. I think as I sit here right now, before I like really dive into the game, I think Cardinals win. Uh, I want to get to Tori Lavello real quick. I've only got about three minutes before I do versus Vegas. But if if you could give me, let me throw you out out of nowhere. Give me Tori five if you could, Jeff Weir Production. Tori five. And the reason why I want Tori five is I always think this is important. And yes, this is a way to judge. Okay. Tori Lovello received a long contract extension from the Arizona Diamondbacks, his first long contract extension in years, okay? And the question to him was, did any players reach out and congratulate you on the contract? They have, several have. And those are the things that mean more to me than anything. You know, when, when you get these little backhanded um, compliments from your from your players uh, and, you know, you're just driving towards something every day and you don't know how you're affecting them. But when, when they say something um, as heartfelt as, as, as they have been saying over the past couple of days, that means more to me than anything. The, the, the players um, trust 
the relationships that I have with the players are, 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 are precious and they're very protected. A lot of people don't know exactly how close I am with, with the, this group of players. Um, but it's, it means more to me than they, than they even know. And when they reach out, um, I certainly respond and let them know how appreciative I am of that. I thought that was strong. I got one more I want to play, but I got just seconds to do it. Will you put in Tory 2 for me? And I'm going to probably have to have you cut it off. But go ahead and fire Tory 2, and I'll tell you why I want that in just a second. Go ahead, Jeff. Um, yeah, as far as the stability aspect of it, certainly that's nice. Um, and I, I've been on the record of saying that I, I want to spend the rest of my career here in Arizona. I don't want to go anywhere else. And, you know, if you're talking about the length of this contract, it would mean 10 unbelievable years. And um, I, I know a lot of lots been said about, you know, the yeah, pressure of having to deal with one year contracts year after year. And quite frankly, um, I, I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve to be considered beyond tomorrow and and that's the mindset that i had so i was just pushing along just the same way as the players do because it's all you know it's all you want to do every single day um but you know finally getting a little bit of the stability and um being able to push forward in a different way is going to change my point of view um i i don't i don't take anything for granted in this game i've been in it a long time and i know how quickly things can change and i wake up every day with the mindset of impressing my boss and my Kazen. Um, and impressing even further than that, uh, people that own the team and, and the people that really run and operate the team. The reason why I wanted to cram that in before versus Vegas is just to let you know how well he stayed true to the product and said, I just want to work hard and impress my boss, even when he was only under a one-year deal and didn't let that affect him. That's there's some things I wish he would change about his leadership skills, but that's good. That's that's really good. It's time for versus I don't I don't know if if you've noticed, but I'm on I'm on a little bit of a run. I'm on a little bit of a run right now. Not huge, but a little bit of a one. Two, two weeks ago, I went 18-7-1 through a stretch. And then I've had a lot of 500 days, but not bad juice. So uh, you would have won a lot with me through the World Series or through the playoffs because I correctly predicted Alex Bregman getting a home run on plus 700 odds. And then throughout the course of the end of last week and this week, I had one one and two day. Everything else has been a moneymaker so far. And now I'm on a little five and one streak. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yesterday, we went with the Ohio Bobcats minus nine. We said the Ohio Bobcats would have no problem with Troy. They will easily cover the nine-point spread. In their home opener of the year, in front of 4,200 screaming fans, packed at 36% capacity, the Ohio Bobcats were able to knock off the gallant fighters from Troy. 88 to 70. Doubling the spread. We own you, Vegas. Go Bobcats on that one. And I also said our sons. 
I liked our sons winning a close game yesterday, but I said, why not take the point if you're going to give it to me? So Phoenix Suns plus one, and we got it. It's a little, little scary, a little scary. Suns win by one, 116-115 in overtime. So we go 2-0. Oh. Thank you very much. Now today, looking through, uh, boy, there's a ton of, of college basketball games today. None of them are really highlighted games. There's quite a few NBA games, not very much NHL. But, oh, wait, no. Yeah, I think I'm right on what I just said. I might have just made that up. But there's, oh, there are a lot of NBA games. But there's only one that I liked. Both the Bucks and the Pacers are on the back end of a back-to-back. Pacers have the advantage because their back end of a back-to-back, both games are at home. But Milwaukee was at home. It's not a bad flight at all, Milwaukee to Indiana. It's almost a commute anyway to try to get home. So when your back-to-back is about the same as your commute home from the arena, I'm not worried about that. So it's not like the Pacers players got to bed so much earlier than the Milwaukee Bucks players. So since they're both on a back-to-back and Milwaukee only has to cover three points, I'll take that on the road. So I'm going with the road favorite, Milwaukee over the Pacers by at least three. And then I'm going to look at the NFL, and it's Brad Smith versus me. Here we go, of the Organic Football Podcast. He is staring me down. I say Carolina at Chicago ends up under the total of 38 and a half. And 38 and a half, the easy way to look at totals, I just like divide it, I like to divide it by two, give each team the points. So you're looking at a final score of when you divide 38 and a half of right around 17 to 16, okay? So that's painfully low. Anything under 40 is painfully low, right? NFL teams, two of them scoring under 20 points. It's Bears-Panthers. Now, sometimes you get these crazy games because you get a lot of defensive touchdowns when both teams are so terrible. I don't think these defenses are good, and I think the offenses are worse. So I think you're going to get some chunk plays and then a punt. So they are able to move the ball, but everybody's always stuck. You move the ball to about your own 40 or 50, you pin them deep, and then you don't score, but they now have a long field. So they, your defense is bad. They get about 30 yards, move it to about their own 40, and then they punt it back to you. The key is going to be, please, no crazy defensive touchdowns, no crazy special teams touchdowns. Wolf used to call it Crazy Carl. I don't know why, but he said he had one coach who would just yell Crazy Carl every time the team scored a great, crazy touchdown in an unlikely manner. But then, if they gave up one, the coach would still just blame Crazy Carl happens, you know, and he tried to forgive everybody for Crazy Carl. And he's the only coach that ever said that. You think about how long Wolf played. And that's not like a football term. It's just one crazy coach calling it a crazy Carl. Well, I don't need crazy Carl in Chicago tonight. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Thanks for being a member of the Unplugged Army. I really appreciate it. Please help me grow this podcast. 
the, the audio number's going down a little bit. I, I really need that to get back up if you could. Go to Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google, tune in and listen to any of those. And if you get time, listen to more than one. Run it on a home computer while you're doing chores and you're nowhere near the computer. Tweet out anything or post anything on Instagram. Repost things that you see me so somebody new in your circle of friends might be able to find me. I would really appreciate that if you do that. That would help me out a lot. And the number one way to help me is to support the sponsors. The sponsors are vital to Doug Franz Unplugged. Without them, there is no Doug Franz Unplugged. I don't get any money anywhere other than the people that believe in you as a member of the Unplugged Army. So I I ask you, please try to find time to support them. You can go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and actually become a member of Whirlwind Plus. That's a great way to support Doug Franz Unplugged. And it's a benefit to you. You save money easily if you decide to play golf at a legendary course like Whirlwind. If you want great food, well, how about the Doug Franz Unplugged sponsors? Bell's National Kitchen with the best sandwich in all of Arizona. You've got the greatest breakfast burrito you'll ever eat in your life at the seven locations of Burrito Express. You've got 100 Mile Brewing Company, our newest sponsor in Tempe. You, you can go there at Rural, Scottsdale, and the 202. And Rosati's in Chandler, but only the one at Ray and McQueen is a sponsor of the Unplugged Army. And I'm telling you, a great array of products like the tankless water heater at Parker & Sons, heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. Please consider them if you've got any issues around the house or just want to have a better product. Call 6022-REPAIR. That's 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. The main event's up next. I'll see you tomorrow.